Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. It's Chris Frame here, and this week I'm sailing solo because Barry is currently at sea aboard Resilient Lady of Virgin Voyages here in Australia. He's currently somewhere in the Pacific Ocean heading down the coast of Western Australia between Sydney and Melbourne. And uh, from what I can gather from text messages he sent me from the ship, he's having an absolutely fantastic time. Of course, uh, Resilient Lady made her inaugural visit into Sydney just this past week. Uh, And if you're interested in a little bit of information about what happened during that maiden arrival, uh, you can check out a short video I did about it on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chrisframeofficial. But of course, in the coming weeks, Barry will be providing us with a full overview uh, of what his time on board Resilient Lady was like. In fact, I may in fact be able to interview him and uh, turn the tables on him a little bit to be in charge of the interview and put him on the receiving end of all the questions that uh, he loves firing at me when I do my trip reports. And uh, we wish Barry a very happy voyage on board the Resilient Lady. Now, this all goes to him for uh, final editing before it goes live. So he may well have done an introduction and made all of the stuff I've just told you redundant. But if he hasn't, that is where Barry is this week. I am actually in Sydney as I record this, sitting here looking out at the Sydney skyline as the sun sets, because tomorrow I will be joining Celebrity Cruises for a voyage on board Celebrity Edge, and she too is making her maiden visit to Australia, uh, has visited Darwin and is currently one day out from arriving in Sydney due to arrive at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, on Saturday the 9th of December. Uh, I'll be boarding the ship and joining it as it sails across to Auckland in New Zealand and will bring a dedicated episode uh, of the experience with you. Some really exciting things lined up to share with you from on board the ship. Uh, So without any further ado, we've got some fantastic maritime history coming up. 
as well as a look at this week's cruise news. So let's get straight into it. So this week's maritime history comes in from a listener question, and it's from Tom Mullen, who asks, One of my favourite all-time ships was the Oceanic 1965. I would love to know more about the history of Holmes Lines and love the podcast. I'm a regular listener. You both do a great job. Well, firstly, thanks so much, Tom, uh, who hails from Connecticut in the USA. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback. It means absolute world to Barry and myself when we hear from listeners like you that uh, you're enjoying the work that we're doing here and that you find the podcast useful and entertaining. Uh, it really does make our day. Now, the Oceanic itself was a ship that my, I too have been fascinated by for many years. I, in fact, saw it in person uh, back in 2008 when we were alongside in um, Naples with the QE2. Um, she was docked alongside the Oceanic and just having an opportunity to look at that uh, beautiful uh, 1960s design that the Oceanic had, um, those elegant lines, was a real treat. And of course, sadly, um, these days she is no, no longer um, around for us to enjoy. Uh, but she does have a great history and an interesting background that we can have a little bit of a look at. So she was, as mentioned, built for the home lines. Um, the home lines itself is an interesting story, and I know you mentioned that in your question. It was... Um, an Italian-based uh, shipping company that ran both line voyages and then, of course, later uh, cruise ships. Um, it was created back in 1946, uh, just after World War II, uh, and was designed initially to operate um, on, that, on, the, on the North Atlantic line voyage service, uh, taking passengers across to, uh, to the United States, of course, uh, which was so very, very uh, popular. Um, back in that pre-jet era. Now, they actually started their services with the acquisition um, of the um, Bergensfjord, which was a Norwegian America line ship, and they named her the Argentina, and she operated with them uh, under her new name. But they grew their service um, and they grew their, their presence to include ships including um, the Italia, uh, which was the former Kungsholm, um, as well as the Atlantic, and another ship, the Italia. Now, by the 1960s, well, in fact, in the late 1950s, when the jet aircraft came into service, uh, the, the company had started to identify that passenger demand and transportation requirements were changing. Uh, and as a result of this, uh, when they were looking at building their new liner, which would ultimately become Oceanic, um, they took a very interesting approach in her construction. The ship was designed to be a dual-purpose liner, and she was, in fact, one of the finest examples of dual-purpose uh, passenger ship design. Now, a dual-purpose liner is a ship that's designed to undertake both the line voyages, so those classic voyages across the Atlantic, or line voyages through the Mediterranean. Uh, in fact, a line voyage is really any point A to point B voyage where passengers and cargoes uh, go on board the ship to get to a destination rather than a pleasure cruise. Um, but in, in this particular case, it was those longer duration voyages they were looking at. However, in the winter, when weather was rough and passengers were less likely to opt to take a longer voyage on a ship than they were to take a flight on an aircraft, they wanted to have uh, something for this ship to do. And so she was built with many what were... Um, considered to be radical and forward-looking forward, um, 
uh, features on board that today you wouldn't expect not to see on a cruise ship. It's very much um, part of the cruise experience. And that includes such a, a things such as a, a huge pool deck on the top between the mast and the funnel with a glass retractable dome uh, on top of it, the, uh, quite often known as a magra dome. You see that on board ships of uh, P&O, of uh, Holland America, uh, Queen Mary 2 has one, the QE2 had one for several years back in her, back in her day. Um, ships of uh, various Costa, various different brands have macrodomes now, and it allows you to use the swimming pool in both good and, and bad weather. Um, she also had massive amounts of open deck space, terraced aft decks, Lido decks, swimming pools, outdoor eateries. There were huge, big windows that allowed for people to take in the view whilst they were cruising from port to port. Um, these are all features that are expected on a cruise ship. So it's this beautiful, um, I guess, blend of the two styles of ship and a really great example of how that was done. Now, she um, was laid down um, in 1960. Well, actually, sorry, I should say she was launched in 1963 um, and um, was put into the fitting out basin where they would complete the construction of the ship and uh, was completed in 1965. And her maiden voyage took place that same year. I think it was in March, late March of 1965. Now, she operate, operated a, um, a service with Home Lines um, from 1965 all the way through to the 1980s. Uh, and at one point operated in service with a, 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 a fleet mate, the Atlantic, which was... Um, which was built in the 1980s, and um, another ship, uh, the um, Homeric, which was uh, designed to be delivered in 1986. However, this was not to be, because in 1985, um, the Homeric line was sold to Holland America line, and with it, the uh, Homeric became the Westerdam for Holland America line. But Holland America didn't acquire... Um, the, the the oceanic in fact and she instead um, was sold to premier cruises and in 1985 she operated with premier cruises and was actually renamed starship oceanic um, and operated services from um, in in florida down to nassau and um, salt key in the bahamas and this uh, service actually was quite revolutionary at the time. Um, the Premier Cruises was one of the pioneers in private islands, um, which was at the time considered to be quite a radical idea. Um, and you could also combine your cruise on Starship Oceanic with a visit to Walt Disney World. So they had a partnership with Disney um, through Premier Cruises. But of course, we know these days Disney has its own cruise line. Um, Premier Cruises then ceased operations in the year 2000, in September of 2000, uh, and the Starship Oceanic was um, initially laid up, but then acquired by a newly founded company, Pulmontor Cruises. Now, during this period of time, just before Premier Cruises went defunct, um, the ship was actually repainted in a red hull, and Premier Cruises had actually decided to rename all of their ships um, 
Big Red Boat. So this was the first one, which was, you know, she was known worldwide as the Oceanic or the Starship Oceanic, but was given the name the Big Red Boat. And then they had Big Red Boat one, uh, 2, Big Red Boat 3, Big Red Boat um, 4. And uh, this gave her a very distinctive livery. But when she entered service with Pumanta, um, this was um, changed and the ship looked a bit more familiar um, in her original color scheme and reverted back to the name Oceanic. And she actually got very large uh, Pumantor um, branding on the side of her hull and was given a red funnel with the Pumantor logo on it as well. So this meant that um, the ship was a bit more familiar. This is actually the period of time where I saw the ship. She was operating for Pumantor when I took those photographs of her from the decks of the Kiwi 2 um, and uh, she was, uh, was, was sailing with them for, for many years actually all the way through to um, 2009. In 2009 she went across to Peace Boat um, and retained her original name but sailed with uh, Peace Boat um, on voyages from Japan and operated with them until, um, until the year, I think it was 2020. 2012 rather, um, when she was eventually retired from service. During that period of time in May of 2010, um, she was actually the subject of a, an attack by pirates off the coast of Yemen. Um, she actually had uh, grenades thrown at the ship, but fortunately um, her, her speedy uh, engines <laughs> allowed her to um, avoid being captured by the pirates and she uh, actually sailed in a zigzag pattern, sort of reminiscent of how the liners used to operate during, during wartime service. And in 2012, she, as I mentioned, was withdrawn from service uh, and was retired from uh, operations and was uh, eventually scrapped um, in China, by, which commenced in July of 2012. So um, scrapping, obviously, a very um, common but sad end for a great ship and one that um, really did have a very special place in the maritime history um, books because she she created this ability to operate successfully as a liner and also as a cruise ship with that dual purpose design and had absolutely gorgeous lines, um, huge long bow, beautiful swept back superstructure um, and that terraced stern as well. They just don't build them um, like that anymore. So Tom, thank you so much for the question. I hope that little um, scattered history, potted history, um, will, will be um, of use to you. And of course, if you, um, the, if anyone else has um, a question that they'd like answered in relation to cruising or maritime history, please send it in at thebigcruisepodcast.com. Uh, Barry's just implemented a voicemail service, so you can actually leave us a question verbally, so we can actually play it in the podcast, which would be really fun if somebody did that. Um, uh, no one's actually been... Uh, um, I don't know, brave enough perhaps to, to record um, their voice on that yet, but we, we, we would welcome that. Uh, and of course, um, if you have any queries in relation to booking or the best way to get access to cruises, uh, Barry is an expert at that too. So please feel free to send your questions in. Um, so let's take a, a very short break and we'll come back with this week's cruise news. So for the leading cruise news this week, I actually had to do a coin toss. I gave heads to Celebrity Edge and tails to uh, Scarlet Lady and Celebrity Edge came up tops. So this week we will start off with the news that Celebrity Edge has in fact arrived in Australian waters. 
She made her debut um, arrival in Darwin uh, earlier in the week. Um, the ship looked absolutely spectacular alongside at the Darwin port. She made this call on the 2nd of December, which starts off her Australian season down under. Now, Celebrity Edge is the um, newest and most uh, comprehensive of the um, celebrity cruiser ships to ever um, sail in Australian waters. She entered service initially back in uh, 2018, but um, is one of five ships from um, Celebrity Cruises of the same design. Uh, for in service, I believe the last one is um, still under construction at the moment. Uh, she is on her way into Sydney Harbour. Uh, as I mentioned, I'll be boarding her tomorrow, so we'll give a full overview of her um, service in Australia uh, when we are back from that particular um, trip. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be a spectacular uh, experience on board. The uh, second big piece of news in, in Australian waters, at least, is that uh, Scarlet Lady has made her debut here as well. Um, this ship uh, sailed into Sydney Harbour um, for a spectacular arrival. In fact, she was met by Sir Richard Branson, who um, sailed out on a wooden-hulled motor yacht, uh, motorboat rather, um, to, to welcome the ship in, classic Branson style. Um, she has um, embarked um, travel agents and guests for a very short mermaiden voyage down to Melbourne and then on the 11th of December she will be bringing um, Australians uh, who have booked cruises uh, on a voyage back up um, to, well rather down to Tasmania making stops at Burnie and Hobart. Uh, and as I am recording this podcast now spontaneous fireworks have started erupting in Sydney Harbour this is what it's like in Australia's uh, Harbour City. There is always something to look at, and I'm literally being slightly distracted by the fireworks out the window. So if you know what they were for, uh, please send us a message on the podcast. We'd love to know uh, what people were celebrating on December the 8th when this podcast was recorded. Now, sticking with Australian water and uh, a cyclone alert has been issued for Cyclone Jasper, which is making its way down the northern east coast of Australia. This means that a number of cruises have been interrupted due to uh, not being able to go into those rough seas and rough waters, particularly voyages to Early Beach, which is on the north coast of Queensland. Uh, ships that have been uh, tied up in this issue include Carnival Luminosa, uh, which has uh, had itineraries uh, adjusted, as well as Quantum of the Seas, which has revised itineraries keeping away from, uh, from that particular uh, part of the world. Heading further afield, and Sea Dream Yacht Club has just released the 2026, if you can believe it, Mediterranean Voyages, um, which bring in seven new ports of call and the first of ever for them a 14-day uh, in-depth slow travel voyage. Other um, points that they've uh, included in this information is that they'll have overnight stays in popular cruise destinations and also transits of the Corinth Canal and docking in the city centre in Venice because of course their ships are small enough to allow them to do this. Um, the Sea Dream Yacht Club, of course, is a family-owned and operated cruise line. The two ships they've got, Sea Dream 1 and Sea Dream 2, have a uh, long and illustrious history that dates all the way back to the 1980s and used to sail for both Cunard and um, Seabourn before moving across to Sea Dream Yacht Club, uh, where they remain to this day. 
Speaking of uh, releases for um, well into the future, uh, Princess Cruises has launched the 2025-2026 Summer and 2026 World Cruise Australia and New Zealand itineraries. Uh, it also includes sailings on board the Discovery Princess, which will be the largest Princess Cruises ship to visit Australia. Uh, they're also offering a number of um, offers for 2026 World Cruise Cruiser uh, discounts for Captain's Circle members, which of course is their loyalty program. Now our friends at Norwegian Cruise Line have been in touch to let us know that they have celebrated the christening of Norwegian Viva, which is of course the latest in their Prima class of ships. About 1,500 people were invited to come along to see the ship being uh, christened in the uh, company's gold certified terminal in the port of Miami. Uh, the ship's godfather was Louis Fonzi, um, who was a Grammy Award nominated singer and famed for the hit Despacito, which I'm sure many of us uh, will remember. And he uh, christened the ship with a uh, ceremonial bottle of champagne, which successfully broke across the ship's hull. Uh, so if you want to check out more about that, you can actually see um, some information that Norwegian has published on their website, but also on their YouTube channel. And also another piece of news that has been making the headlines recently is the cancellation of the planned three-year cruise on the Life at Sea Cruises, uh, which has been uh, cited for a number of uh, reasons, including a lack of a ship. The plan was to actually have this ship sail around the world continuously and have people live on board for up to three years. Um, initially, they were looking at a, um, at a cruise ship, I believe it was the MV Gemini, uh, and later um, the Aida Aura, which was, um, uh, which was being you know, inspected and investigated for this particular ship. Uh, but this has, in fact, not gone ahead. And uh, that's definitely making headlines because some people have... Um, been planning to live on board this uh, ongoing cruise for quite some time and there are even headlines out there that people have sold their houses to live on board the ship so a lot of very unhappy people at the moment uh, who are suffering from that cancellation. And 2026 makes the headlines once again this week with Silver Sea announcing that the Silver Whisper will be basing itself in French Polynesia from 2026. Uh, this will see the ship arrive there in April and sail in the local waters through to September, um, which will also allow her to undertake both 14-night and 7-night sailings uh, in the South Pacific. And finally for this week's cruise news, one that Barry will certainly like, is that Windstar has committed to refurbishing their three sailing yachts, the Windstar, Windspirit and Windsurf. Uh, these ships have... Um, 148 passengers for the Windstar and Wind Spirit, and 340 for the Wind Surf. Uh, they're going through a series of refurbishments undertaken uh, in several phases that will see them uh, renovated uh, by 2026. So great news across the fleet there at Windstar. And again, another sort of hint as to the popularity of these sail-powered ships. It is quite interesting to see other cruise lines, which we've covered before, such as uh, Hertogruten and uh, Pernod, also looking at sail technology. But Windstar, as we know, has been doing it for a very long time. Uh, and along with um, Club Med, I believe, which still has one in service, uh, they have been pioneering sail-powered uh, voyages for quite some time. 
So that brings uh, this week's cruise news to an end. It was a relatively short uh, week in terms of the uh, the cruise news. But uh, as always, if you have uh, any uh, questions about cruise, if you have any questions about maritime history, if you have a story that you'd like us to look into, feel free to reach out at thebigcruisepodcast.com. Uh, I will be, as I mentioned, uh, bringing you a, a special episode from On Board Celebrity Edge. We will be speaking to Barry uh, in the coming weeks about his experience uh, on board Resilient Lady. So very much looking forward to future episodes. If you have a cruise review, if you've been sailing, if you've been at sea, write in, let us know. And don't forget to follow us online, uh, YouTube at uh, Chris Frame Official. And the podcast also has a presence on all of the major social media networks as well. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks once again for uh, Tom for the listener question and for everybody who has liked, shared and subscribed to podcasts. Uh, It makes a huge difference for us and means the world to us for your support. Thanks once again. And until next time, see you on board. Hello, listeners. I uh, I just couldn't resist jumping in and saying hello. Um, I am at the airport. I'm on my way home. I just got off Resilient Lady and wow. What a ship, what a crew, what cuisine. It is an awesome experience, and I highly encourage you, if you have ever wanted to experience Virgin Voyages, do so on a sailing uh, out of Melbourne on this uh, maiden season, uh, because you are in for an absolute treat. As I said, the crew are just so warm and welcoming. They're allowed to be themselves. The food is exceptional, and none of the dining is at a surcharge. And uh, the theming around the ship is just done so well. There are areas that are, you know, a bit more minimalist. And then you walk into this room and you're like, wow, you know you're in Razzle Dazzle. Or you know you're in Pink Agave. Uh, or the dock. Or it doesn't really matter where you go. But uh, they, they've done such a good job. And I can't say anything other than positive things about it. Um, of course, I'll bring you a full update in the coming weeks. But I, I just couldn't resist uh, jumping in and saying hello and telling you what a great experience we've had courtesy of uh, the team at Virgin Voyages. Uh, so a big thank you and a big shout out to the full team there. Uh, they, of course, have got their uh, work ahead of them because uh, we just did the preview sailing. The maiden sailing is actually um, happening uh, pretty much in two days' time. The ship has come down on the preview sailing from Sydney to Melbourne. They've got a couple of events taking place alongside of Melbourne, and then they depart early next week. So by the time you're listening to this, the, the ship is most likely out on the uh, mermaiden season heading down to Tasmania. But with that in mind, let's uh, let's leave it at what Chris has done, because he's done a fabulous job. Uh, thank you once again, Chris, and I'll be back next week, and we'll tell you everything that happened on that beautiful preview cruise aboard Resilient Lady. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.